my one takeaway for everyone listening today is to really take a look at your market automation platform and what you are paying for. And if it's like meeting your needs, like how you're actually utilizing it. Hello and welcome back to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. It's me, Charlie, and I'm here with Xander and Chrissy. We've got a really fun episode today talking about or really asking the question, do you need a marketing automation platform in 2023? So when we talk about what is a marketing automation platform, I think it's worth kind of defining that. We're talking about the lights of Marketo, HubBot, Pardot, true platforms that have a lot of rich features within that platform. So they can handle customer data, there's campaign management, automation features, you can send emails, there's CRM sync, web integrations, forms, and analytics, and probably more, probably some, some things I'm not thinking about there. And there's a lot of discussion these days on do we even need these marketing automation platforms, particularly around certain companies in particular go-to-market strategies. So we wanted to dive into that and really see, do you need it? Why would you not need it? Why would you need it? And really help the, the people listening to make that decision going forward. So to kick us off, Xander, why is this even a conversation? Why are people considering not having a marketing automation platform? Why are people talking about it? There's going to be a lot of reasons that we're going to talk about, but I think that one of the most pertinent reasons and something that is obviously on everybody's mind right around this time of the year is is pricing. I think that we've all seen the increase, the large increase in annual contracts with some of these solutions. I think that our data practices have changed quite a bit from even five years ago of we're doing things like ABM plays. So maybe we're going out to data providers and we're bringing in more cold people into the database. And depending on what type of solution that you're using, you know, out of those big three, maybe, maybe you're utilizing Marketo where you're getting charged based upon each person within the Marketo database. So you might be asking the question, well, should I move into a platform that handles email marketing at scale that doesn't charge in the same way or has like different costs? associated with it. You may be also looking at as a owner of a lot of tech stack, like I have a lot of tools that are doing a lot of the marketing automation sort of things. I have Salesforce, maybe I have some external automation tools, maybe I'm utilizing my ABM uh, platform to do a lot of my advertising. So maybe I can consolidate tech with what I already have that's doing kind of that best in class point solution. And then I look and I go, well, you know, what am I using my marketing automation platform for? So can I actually save money down the road? So what do you both think of this pricing argument then? Do you think it's a strong argument? Chrissy, do you want to take that one? Like, is it, do you think you could save money if you stripped out your marketing automation platform and, and replaced it with a suite of other more point solution t technology? I think that when we think about it in a very black and white situation of just cost for the tools, then you could say it could be equal or it could be less than. But I think that the issue is that people aren't thinking about the just cost in general for what it takes to then manage that type of setup. So when you think about people's time to actually do the work, which, you know, your employees like cost you money and the time they're putting into the work is, is then a cost. And then also if you need additional resources, to actually get those other tools off the ground and manage them, then that becomes another cost too. So 
In my opinion, I feel like going more of like a point solution probably doesn't save you money or time, which time is money. And so when you add those two costs together, I don't really see an opportunity like a benefit there. At the end, I will kind of cover also another reason why I think that that's the case. But when looking at it, for me, I'm yet to see kind of like, okay, that seems like a cost saving. The only time where Xander mentioned that I think it could be a cost savings is around if you just have a ton of people to manage in your database. But there are ways that you can circumvent that. And there's probably reasons, you know, bad reasons for maybe why you're managing that system that way. Like maybe there's a ton of users that you don't need in that platform that shouldn't be there or you are filling it with cold data. And so I like lots way of getting around that with only charging based on people who you can track as marketable. But also it might not be the right you know, people that you're actually managing in your marketing solution, which is meant to really scale out your marketing campaigns, engage people, target them and so forth. So it might just be a poor use of figuring out who to bring into that tool. I think the other thing with that, one of the arguments that I've heard quite a lot is tools like Wakato and Trey, which are awesome automation tools, can kind of do a lot of the, well, they they can definitely do all of the automation that you can do in your marketing automation platform, plus you know, even more advanced automation. So why would you use Marketo or HubSpot to run your automation? So then you can kind of break that out. Maybe you don't even need Marketo and HubSpot anymore and you can save the money because you've got a large database and you want to handle all your automation outside of that. My counter argument to that though is that you those tools charge by the number of automations, yeah. whether yeah. it's recipes or workflows. That's very so expensive. That can really get expensive. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you think about how many individual, like in Marketo, how many smart campaigns do you have? Or in HubSpot, how many workflows do you have? And if you're getting charged every incremental one of those to be able to handle like a large company's you know, automation across all of your campaigns, tracking, data, et cetera, that's going to add up too. So there is a volume component to their pricing as well, which I think gets forgotten about a bit when people say, well, you've got a massive database. I can't believe Marketo is charging you by the number of leads. Go use this other tool. It'll be cheaper. Well, they're charging you by number of automations. So is it not just replacing one problem with another? Yeah. And I think to caveat that, HubSpot and Pardot do that as well. You do have to pay for workflows, but it's usually tiers and things like that. And then once you get to a certain tier, like you don't have to pay and it's not that much. But when you look at like 15 recipes is costing you like five figures, then you get to like 30 recipes costing you like six figures. That's not a lot of automation (laughs) to actually do. And it's still really, really expensive. And so I think also just the overall management of that tool is something to keep in mind. It's like, it's more expensive. And then do you have someone on your team that actually knows how to use it? Are they readily going back and auditing like what automation you are building there? And then what happens when that person leaves and then you're trying to hire? I'm not saying that you don't need to use those tools, but to actually replace everything that could be done in a marketing automation platform, I think could be a stretch. So let's dig into that. The capability side is key, right? The marketing automation platform has a lot of capabilities. Are you able to replicate that with point solutions? So Xander, let's dig into that. Like, What is your perspective on 
the ability to be able to replace all of the capabilities you get within a platform, marketing automation platform, replacing that with individual point solutions. Like what are some of the trade-offs there? What are some of the things that you would think about when you're talking to our clients that might be thinking about this? I think that what you really have to assess is what's the priority for the business? The reason why you might bring on a point solution is because you want the best in class for that specific use case because that's your differentiator. That's what's going to allow you to grow faster as a business. If you're having to make that decision for everything and figure out like, okay, well, how am I going to solve for form fills? How am I going to solve for data normalization? How am I going to solve for getting things into campaigns? How am I going to solve for lead scoring? Like there are point solutions for all of those things. And if the problem is big enough, if the need is dire enough, maybe you do get a point solution to solve for that. But if you have to do that for literally everything, you are having different contracts, you're having different conversations, different renewals, you're costing your procurement team more time, your finance team more time, your legal team more time every time that you're doing these negotiations. And so you should really be thinking about like, what's just my bread and butter that I need to have on? And it's my evergreen and it requires very minimal upkeep of me. That's usually where I, I find the marketing automation platform to do the best. And then when I'm going, okay, well, PLG is going to be my focus as a business. What is the technology that I need to level up that? Or ABM is going to be my focus. What's the technology stack that I'm going to need to level up that? That's where you start to bring in those point solutions. And then, you know, really try and assess, like, do I have the complete picture now? As opposed to just saying, we're going to do away with this for the arbitrary reason of we don't need it anymore because there's technology to solve all of these problems. And then you're just increasing the overall overhead. I love that. I think that's a really, really good way of thinking about it. And I think a lot of the, I don't want to discredit the narrative that I've been hearing around replacing marketing automation with all of the point solutions, but a lot of the rationale behind it is either based on saving costs, which we've already talked about, or the ambiguous benefit of just having the best in class doing all of these individual things. But like, is that actually going to have an ROI impact on the business, like an actual revenue generating impact on the business if you do that? Or is it just cool to just tinker around with loads <laughs> of tech, tech and just kind of like build something unique? Yeah, I think if you're in operations deep enough, you also have just been burned by like trying to just manage so much technology. So you just I think you just get to a point where you're like, I need to just simplify things, if anything. Like, I just need to, like, scale things back. And especially for companies right now, like, trying to overly, like, complicate your tech stack is, like, not the goal. What you need to do is really make sure the team is efficient with their dollars, with their time and resources. I just don't see it as a thing that's happening that can be great for most companies right now. What I do think, though, that might end up changing my mind is not replacing marketing automation, but just different flavors of marketing automation platforms for specific go-to-market strategies or the needs of the business. And I think that's where you're going to see the likes of some other companies coming up like Inflection. And I think on the B2C side, I think you mentioned Clavio or whatever, all just went public <laughs> and that's a market automation platform. It just suits the needs of more B2C that are selling products and doing high volume transactions. And so that's where I see, see things going more and causing more disruption or just 
you know, tools like HubSpot, just maybe being able to be a better blend of trying to, you know, tailor to the enterprise, but also smaller companies as well. And still like doubling down and knowing that there's different ways you can use the tool and trying to build one way, like one solution or one way to use a product for every company. I'm glad you brought up HubSpot because I think they're a good example of the complete opposite of what we're talking about, right? They're truly building their platform. They're adding more and more features to it all Mm -hmm. in HubSpot, including CRM. And by all accounts, they're doing a really good job of it. Um, Just kind of based on what we're seeing in terms of the clients that we're interacting with, because we're generally speaking to companies somewhat, you know, a little bit down their growth stages, you know, not like seed stage or anything like that too often. They've usually in the past kind of grown out of HubSpot, but now we're seeing plenty of series B, C, D companies with a large marketing and sales team perfectly happy on HubSpot. And that's because they've just done a great job of just building out their platform and aligning to simplicity over complexity. So a lot of people just talk about how it's easier to use. Everything's kind of natively integrated with each other because it's all in one platform. So it definitely has its advantages. I'd like to dig into, because Chrissy, you mentioned something before about the team and their capabilities around handling all of this. And I think that is, for me, one of the lead dominoes that you will need to go with any strategy is like, how can I build a team around this that's going to make this successful? And am I able to? And one of the things that I think the kind of these traditional marketing automation platforms have done really well is they've built up a very large, particularly Marketo and HubSpot, built up a very large community of people. They're like diehard fans, experts in the platform. There's like Marketo Nation, like all of the HubSpot certifications, all of this history of people and thousands of people that are experts in the tool. So you can hire people who know HubSpot and people that know Marketo. It's a bit harder to hire someone who knows those tools. Plus, you know, they can also manage Trey and Wakato. They also know how to build out your data warehouse. They also know how to use ETL tools. They also know how to use like all of the different lead scoring and intent. Like it's a bit harder to find like a person that knows all of that. So I'd love to dig into that and just flesh out like is that going to be a problem for companies that are trying to go with this strategy of like point solutions over platform? Yeah. I mean I think one of the problems that we're why I was saying people get frustrated wanting to scale back like they're having so many point solutions to just the overall management of those technologies and then add on if they're not to technologies that you're comfortable with like you're not going to have a very productive you know ops person or team you know I think that it's still really hard our market is opening up there's definitely people looking for work and things like that but when you talk about skill set for all of those people too you know, it's not as advanced as that. And so if you're trying to find people to come in and, you know, be a a good RevOps person and be productive, they're likely probably not going to have, like you said, like iPass skills or working with ETL solutions or be comfortable building out data warehouse using SQL, things like that. That's very like much more advanced than what a typical like RevOps or marketing ops person like knows how to do and then if you go the route where that person leaves like the tenure isn't very long in our space too or say like you do have to do a layoff and then you try to rebuild your team again it's gonna be very tricky to try and find someone who can then take that on so 
I just think you need to think about like the abilities of your team, but also future people that could come on board and will they be able to manage it? And I think a lot of folks just struggle with just getting their heads around just a normal kind of tech stack because there's just so much to administer and you need a lot of resources. And like I said, right now there's, you know, not a push for a ton of resources. So I just think that that complexity of needing those skills, granted, it's cool. And granted, yes, there are people out there that are very skilled at those things. It's just rare. It's like finding a diamond. The pool's smaller. The pool, the pool's yeah. smaller, obviously. I, I kind of have a example of this where we I was working with somebody who wanted to build a predictive scoring model, take it out of Marketo and mm. should build it like within Snowflake and utilizing SQL. And it was incredible. Like they had a lot of really cool capabilities that they were able to do. They were able to deliver insights to the salesperson on like, why did we get this score? And it was great. However, the people left and then it was like, well, who do we have now that can support this thing? The great scoring model that they had ended up having to go away or be changed significantly because the people that really knew it inside and out had no longer been there. And so that's something that you really do have to think about. And we'll talk about complexity, but the more complex things get to be, the more difficult it is to just maintain it and keep those people around. Yeah. And I think that operators in general are always like, how do I get out of the technical and be strategic? It's like, well, if you can't get people to do your tactics, if you can't train people up to actually even manage your tactics, you're not going to be able to be strategic. Yes, you're being strategic in a way where you're trying to push the limits of what your technology can do. But as you know, that's not really actually what's being strategic. It's more building out like what the business really needs, align it to their objectives, be able to make things work seamlessly, you know, get the insights and data that you need. Yes, or analytics, and but it's really the storytelling around that. And you could be that technical person. Maybe that's all you want to do. That's totally fine. It's just that's a very unique place to be. And that's not the norm. So Xander, what do you think about the wider team too? Because there's implications not just for the marketing and revenue ops team and what they're able to sustain. But if you've got a dozen point solutions that you need to train your wider team on how to use because maybe you've got a decentralized or a hybrid model for campaign execution or there's other activities that you need them to perform in these tools like what do you think could be issues that would come from that dynamic that's a great question i always do go back to decentralized right if you're building out program templates or things that can be very easily reproduced within a marketing automation platform that's centralized, that's great because now you're able to scale yourself and scale your MOPS team to really focus on more of those strategic partner projects that Chrissy's talking about. But if you have to go five different places, like they're just not going to do it. It's hard enough to expect a events marketer to also want to jump into a system and start to build out programs to support their stuff. But then if they mm -hmm. have to do it with like five different point solutions, it's just too much to ask. You know, that's not their specialty. That's not their, really their enjoyment. Like it is for a mops person where we like to build the stuff and we like to be in the technology. Usually it's like the last thing that somebody wants to do if that's not their forte. So now you're just adding complexity there. I also think about how often like a field marketer gets a question from their sales partners of why did they get this lead? Why did this person MQL? Why did X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z? And they have a single place that they can go to usually. They can look at a log. They can get some easy answers. But if you're integrating five different solutions, 
Yeah. Good luck if you have five different logs and you can actually trace it back. It's hard enough with like two or three systems. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Troubleshooting. I wouldn't even talk about that. Will you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's actually a really good point. The, the troubleshooting one. And I think it kind of relates a little bit to the next point that I was going to bring up around. We've talked about complexity and there's a very specific type of complexity I think that you need to consider here, which is just your order of operations and just how every data flows between all of these systems. And I think when you just have one platform, market automation synced with your CRM, there's like other tools synced in, into those as well. But when like the core of your automation and that process is handled in that one platform, I think it can make it a bit easier to troubleshoot and then also handle order of operations. But I'll kind of talk about a story here because one client, I don't think it's the same client that you were thinking about, Xander, but it might have been. They had a data warehouse and in their data warehouse, they were doing some of their standardization logic that they needed for scoring. And you know, this is another you know example of just where things can go wrong based on what we keep on hearing people talking about in our industry, where they're like, okay, well, maybe your data warehouse should kind of be your single source of truth in your customer data platform. And you should use that and then just have these point solutions kind of like plugged into that to operationalize all of your marketing and yada, yada, yada. But this issue was, in the data warehouse, they were basically building out their persona standardization. They had also other things happening in there, but this was one thing causing the problem. Because that was happening in the data warehouse and that was synced to Salesforce, there was leads coming into their marketing automation platform. They were then getting processed and things were happening there. That would then sync to Salesforce and then have to that get Salesforce to sync to the the data warehouse, the magic happened in the data warehouse, sync back to Salesforce, Salesforce then sync back to marketing automation to then score them. And then now they're scored, then you could MQL them and then hand them back to sales or like at least update the status to then sync them back to Salesforce and then get them to handle sales. So a lot of this kind of like loop processing to be able to get them into the hand of sales. So speed to lead was really poor. Now, I know some people are probably thinking, well, if you had the new way of doing things that we're proposing, you wouldn't even have the marketing automation platform because data would just be going into your data warehouse instantly. And yeah, maybe that could solve the problem because you would be getting data warehouse and kind of the order of operations could be kind of flowing through there. But it does raise the question of just, if you have this approach, you just have to be very careful of thinking something smart and just screwing everything up because you just haven't thought about the order of those operations. And like to your point, Xander, really wanting to think about what the business needs. So is it that useful to have that whole process happening to standardize that data in a fancy way in your data warehouse when you could have just kind of done it in a good enough way in your marketing automation platform and got your speed to lead down to under a minute as opposed to half an hour? Like yeah. those trade-offs there, I think so many people, we like to tinker, we like to build these complicated tech stacks, we like to really think about these things purely from a kind of a fun perspective. Like this would be cool to build this as opposed to like, actually, what does the business need? And just that overall complexity, particularly around order of operations, can just be something that really damages your sales process, really damages conversion rates. And that's what the business needs. So if you're going to go in this kind of more hodgepodge, different tool, model, really make sure that still that overriding lead to sales process is working properly and you're not going to butcher that in re by replacing it with this 
this various tool set up. And I think that's something to include there. Different client. Yes, I know what you're talking about, Charlie. I think that it's important to realize, like, you may also be thinking about this and being like, well, why didn't you architect it better? And it wasn't even an intentional process, right? That whole data warehouse thing started because there was a different question. There was a different need for segmentation. They started building it over here. Eventually, the business uses it. And now it's like, well, we should now score on it. And so, like, as you get more complex processes and different systems doing this, you're going to have to think about that even more of, okay, now I'm building something over here. I'm going to need to use it over there. It's that much more to manage. Every time that you want to make a change, you're now having to make a change in seven systems instead of two. And we know that the teams want to move fast. So they make a decision and they expect us to have it done tomorrow. And it's hard enough to do that now where we're trying to keep it as streamlined as possible. So yeah, that alignment is key because yes, we could talk about how, okay, you can solve that problem if we're all just perfectly aligned and <laughs> they make the decision over here and we all know to make all of the updates over there. But in reality, how often does that actually happen? We can talk all day long about RevOps structures and blah, 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 about how to keep us all aligned and make sure everything's architected well. But there's always going to be issues, especially when you have multi-layers of complexity. So you can't just think, I'll build something as complex as I can, but and then the solve is alignment. It's better to be like, let's keep things as simple as I can because I don't want to have to rely on al alignment because I know there's always going to be disconnects. There. So the really important point. And the more tools you have, because tools have owners and they're not always the same person on different teams, especially when it gets into like data warehouse that's owned by the data team, it really starts to create a lot of these silos where you do have struggles of alignment and you can create a lot of these issues with data. So in conclusion, Chrissy, what do you think? Should we just scrap marketing automation and move on? Are we a CS2 living in the 2010s and we need to grow up and kind of think more, be more forward thinking, or is there still a place for the likes of Marketo HubSpot? I think that we're just being realistic of like what 2023 needs and I think that that's not complexity or more subscriptions or more expenditures and things like that especially right now and know that like simplification is key I think the thing for a good operations person is like is the juice worth the squeeze you know what I mean <laughs> and like just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should like there's a lot of things that I can do I probably shouldn't though you know like I could eat every night like a whole chocolate cake, but I decide not to do that for my health, you know, but I could if I wanted to, you know. So it's just like there's so many possibilities out there for people, but it's just deciding like what makes sense. And I think right now there's benefits to a market automation platform, but I do have like one tip for everyone if they are thinking about this or they've ever thought or people have pressured them. That's one thing that happens too is I think that someone might see some marketing out there this happens with every tool or strategy or something like, oh, I read this thing on LinkedIn. Do you think we should do this? You know, and that could be a little bit sidetracking. But and I think the biggest proponent for this is cost pricing and like scalability. But I think one thing is cost. So my first like takeaway or my my one takeaway for everyone listening today is to really take a look at your market automation platform and what you are paying for. And 
if it's like meeting your need, like how you're actually utilizing it. There's been many times where I look at clients' contracts, they'll have us do a review of their contracts. And I'm like, you're using like 50% of what you're paying for right now. So maybe going back and then renegotiating. I know those those vendors would be pissed if they're into this, but renegotiating what you actually need. And then that could actually lower your subscription a lot and be really like, yeah, that sounds cool, predictive, blah, blah, blah. But like no one's using it on your team. So just get rid of it. You can always add it on later. And so definitely go line by line and see that. I think also, like I talked about, different tools have different pricing structures. If you feel like you're not getting a lot of benefit out of your platform, but also you have a ton of automation and you're getting charged for a lot of it, maybe it's worth looking at a different solution. But like at the end of the day, maybe you can get rid of some of the automation, do a cleanup. Maybe your database is just full of people that shouldn't be there. Do a cleanup you know, really simplify things from what you're getting from your contract and how you're getting charged and adjusting. And that could bring down your price a ton. And that will then warrant, you know, that expense for the market automation platform. And then maybe, hey, if you do need one other point solution to do something best in class for that one thing that you need, instead of just take saying, oh, let's just build a whole, you know, point solution. No, just have that one thing that can do that really well. And because you just save the money on the other end. So that's my tip. Maybe just go back, look at your contract. Be really familiar. Also, I think a lot of mods people, if you ask them, hey, have you seen your your market automation contract? You'd be surprised how many people haven't. <laughs> and you should probably know what you're paying for. It could have been signed like four-year contracts like way before you got there. Like be really mindful of like what you're actually paying for and then how to adjust maybe so you're not paying so much. So in summary, keep things simple. If you're thinking about this because you think you might save money, first try and save money with your existing marketing automation mm -hmm. tool because there's probably some savings there. And yes, you still need a marketing automation platform in 2023. Come at us if you disagree. We're willing there to... There will be, for sure. <laughs> if, you, if you do have reasons why we're wrong, we would love to hear it, honestly. I think this is a great debate. I think it's going to be raging. It's just started. It's going to be raging on for years. If, if you do have anything that you heard us say that you'd like us to elaborate more on, if you do have, and this is to the audience, if you have anything where we, you think we missed the mark or you have a different perspective, you can send in a video, audio note, or email rgacs2marketing.com and we will take that and do a whole, a whole episode about it likely. So definitely come at us if you think <laughs> we're wrong. I'm curious what you'll come up with. But thank you all for listening. This is a fun topic. I'm sure we're going to revisit this over the next months and years as um, this whole interesting space of MarTech evolves. But for now, that's the end of this episode. So we'll see you next time. Bye.